What's good, guys? Welcome back to the Run Free Podcast. This is episode number 52, meaning we have been on this journey of refining our inner game for a year now. Man, I can't believe it's already been a year. It's gone by a lot quicker than I would have thought, and it has been so much fun for me uh, to share my story with you guys, share helpful things that have gone on inside of me throughout my pro running career and to this day, things that I'm working on. Just to go on this journey with you guys has been super fun for me, and I know I feel a unique bond with you guys. You guys are all my people. Whenever I go to races or events, uh, wherever our travels take us, I always love meeting runners, getting to chat with people um, all over the country and all over the world. But when people tell me, hey, I listen to the podcast, I'm just like, oh, you're my brother, you're my sister, like you guys are my people. I feel like we're community, we're family. On that note, I want to know more about you guys, who you are. I want to know my listeners. And so shoot me a DM on instagram that's the easiest way to get a hold of me i go through all those myself personally so dm me ryan hall three on instagram we'll just love to say hello to y'all if if you know we're not getting a chance to travel to races and connect as much anymore in these covid days so i'd love to connect with you guys over social so anyways uh, before we jump into today's episode what i thought we'd do today guys is just just have a fun episode um where i kind of rehash my war story of this last Ultra marathon is my debut ultra marathon. If you weren't aware of that, that I ran this last Saturday here in Crested Butte, where I'm recording from today, uh, man, such an epic adventure and experience. So I'm just really excited to kind of share with you guys things I experienced out there, things that were going on in my head and heart, and uh, and things I learned along the way. That maybe if you've never run an ultra marathon before, you can kind of. Put that in your back pocket, those lessons learned, and, and apply those to your your first, first ultra marathon. And even if you're not an ultra marathoner, just the helpful things uh, for everyone who's out there racing. doesn't even matter the distance. So it'll be super fun just kind of rehash it with you guys. But before we do that, got some news, exciting stuff I want to share with you guys. If you guys are Run Free athletes, so we're all part of the Run Free community, right? Like if you're listening to this podcast, you're a part of the Run Free community. And part of Run Free is like we offer a lot of free content, right? So this podcast is free and we consider this to be like the most important information we can get out to you guys is like what's going on in your head and your heart and your spirit and your emotions. Like that stuff is what's going to come out of you while you're out there performing. So as a as a company, Run Free Company, what we are most concerned about is like what's going on in your head and heart. So we really wanted to make this information available to everyone, free to everyone. We also have the Run Free uh, channel on YouTube with just tons of informational videos on there. If you guys haven't had a chance to go over there, we got everything from weights to how to breathe, to how to run, to drills and strides, just tons and tons of free content there as well. And like I said, you guys are all part of, of the Run Free community if you're listening to this and you're checking out uh, those YouTube videos as well. But uh, you know, for our athletes that are doing the paid coaching or getting uh, coached by an athlete or a coach, sorry, directly week by week, for our athletes we have an exciting thing coming up i know this is kind of getting out in front of things but we wanted to get out in front of this one and let you guys know far ahead of time so you can mark this off on your calendar so as you may know this last year run free took our coaches to montana where we just had an amazing couple days in montana checking out the beauty of montana it was the first time for me and just epically beautiful but 
man, that was like one of the highlights of my year, just getting to hang out with our coaches. We have such an amazing staff, and I'm so proud of each one of our coaches and just love spending time with, with our coaches. It was like just such a fun weekend. So what we're doing this time around, though, is we are going to bring our coaches out to Hawaii. We're going to Maui. And this is July 19th through 23rd. And we are inviting all of our athletes that are currently being coached under our program. We are inviting you guys to come out to Hawaii, spend, was that, five days with us in Hawaii. And we are just going to go on some epic runs, some trail runs. Actually, one of our run-free athletes lives in Maui. And he's going to be showing us around really excited about that so we got some local knowledge going down and it's just going to be a time just like hanging out at the beach it's going to be fun it's going to be relaxing we're going to have some information that's going to get shared but mainly it's just about you know family reunion is kind of how it's going to be going down so we are so so excited guys to be heading to hawaii so if you are one of our athletes this will be a free retreat for you all we ask that you do is pay your way there and lodging and transportation, but there's no charge for the camp. So it is completely free to attend the camp. And like I said, it's going to be pretty low-key, guys. It's going to be a lot of just hanging out on the sand, having a good time. We'll get some beach volleyball going, some I don't know what other games. Our coaches were playing, was it, where you hit the ball into some net netball no not netball you guys are probably all screaming at me right now because everyone knows what i'm talking about but i can't put words to it um but we'll be playing all kinds of games out there just having a good time and uh we're excited to be able to offer this to you guys for free for our athletes like i said we're trying to make it logistically as easy as possible for us as a staff and since it is a free camp um you know we're not looking to sink a ton of time planning out everyone's travel and lodging and all that so we figured just be easier just have all of our athletes handle their logistics themselves and then we will provide you guys with a schedule where we're going to be what we're going to be doing and it's going to be super flexible super chill i mean as you can tell by the name of run free we have a high emphasis on freedom and that, that spills over into a lot of different categories so you know if you can only make it for a couple days cool if you can, if you don't want to go to all the stuff we have going on cool like you can kind of come and go as you please there'll be no expectations and also too uh disclaimer you know a lot of our athletes not a lot but a few of our athletes or sorry our coaches rather are professional athletes as well and pursuing their own running goals and this is in the summertime and so there could be a chance that some of our coaches will not be able to attend or maybe we'll be able to attend a couple days and then we'll have to bounce and i i know they all really really want to go but it's kind of hard to know this far out in advance where everyone's going to be and even for myself you know the olympic games will be starting out right right at the tail end of that week so there's a chance i'll have to boogie out of there myself and head over to tokyo but with the uncertainty of these covid times we kind of just wanted to get this one on the schedule and of course we can bend and flex as the time gets closer but one you guys get that on your calendar again the date on that is july 19th through the 23rd and just really stoked to uh Get to know some names, get to know some faces. You know, I've, if you're one of our athletes, I've seen you run before. If you sent us your um, form analysis videos, I've gone through, I know what you eat for three days. I've gone through your food intake logs, corresponded with you guys, but I really want to get to know you guys on a more personal level. So just really, really excited for this opportunity. And that's, that's all I got on that, guys. All right, so sorry, that was a long-winded kind of 
intro, but I wanted to get that stuff out there to you guys. All right, so let's talk about let's talk about this ultra marathon experience, man. First off, to start, if if you have a little seed of a desire to potentially run an ultra, I just encourage you like to act on that. Um, I know for me, like it was super intimidating just signing up for an ultra and you know, 43 miles is a big run, but you know, some of these ultras are, you know, hundred milers. And I know when I hit that submit button and I sent in my registration, I was like, Oh, what did I just do? And this was, you know, like three weeks before the race and I hadn't been training at all. So there was a lot of other stuff that was going into that nervousness, but I guess just start off with that, like signing up. One of, one of the things we love to ask our athletes, and I like to ask my athletes I'm coaching, is like, what are you really excited to do? Like, what is just pulling on you? And even if it might not make sense, like in this case for me, like signing up and racing ultra made zero sense considering my lack of training. But there was something inside me that just like, just when I saw the opportunity, something inside me just kind of like rose up. Does that ever happen to you guys? Where like a, you look at this race online and something about it just kind of captures you and you're like man i gotta do this do this race well that's how it was for me on this one and i'm so so glad that you know i just took the plunge and even though it didn't like i said it didn't make sense and it might not make sense for you necessarily but there there's a time and place training is and racing is such an interesting dynamic between like being very pointed in your your approach in your training and strategic in choosing your races but then i think there's also a time where you just set all that aside and you're just like i'm just gonna do this thing because it sounds super fun it's captivating it's gonna make me come to life and that's really what i'm interested in with athletes that that we're working with is like what races like just capture you and just grab you and you're because these are the things that i'd recommend signing up for it more than three weeks in advance but if you have a race like that on the schedule where you're just so captivated by this thing and you're just like i just can't wait to do this race it's gonna be so epic like you're that kind of excited that's the kind of motivation we need to get a high response from your training, right? Like if you're training for a race that you are just so stoked about, you're gonna put a lot more into your training than if you're just training for a race that's like, you know, you've done this race a million times, you always do it, you're not exactly even sure why you do it, but every year you just keep showing up. That's, (laughs) that kind of motivation is gonna elicit a lot different kind of focus and energy that you bring to your training on a day-to-day basis. So. Just start start there. Just being like, man, find something exciting. I know it can be tricky now with COVID and stuff, but even if you have to look far, far down the line, you know, eventually we are gonna pop out the other end of this COVID season and races like this race is it it happened. You know, <laughs> I consider that a major victory that they were able to make it happen. And they had to, you know, think outside the box, get a little bit unique. So going to the start line, like we started in waves of ten people and we were all masked up leading up to the race. And then, you know, we got on the starting line, we could take our masks off, but we're in groups of 10. And so we're already kind of spread out. And the entire race, they started at every minute, uh, waves of 10. And it wasn't a huge race, you know, I think there's like 260 people that started the race. 
but we were all kind of spread out throughout the race and whenever we get to like a water stop or we got to our halfway bags they were always like you had to put your mask back on and encourage us to spray space ourselves out while we're eating and drinking and they just did such a phenomenal job of handling that COVID. so i think uh you know races are going to continue to happen so maybe looking further out than you may want to look um you know looking into next uh summertime even i think is is kind of when things are more and more likely the the further out you look the more likely that events are actually going to happen you know and i think we are at least like virtual events are going on time trials are going on there's already a lot of outside the box opportunities happening i think that's going to continue to increase as we figure out how we can make things happen in the event space during this COVID season so anyways oh man the the race starts in the dark right so uh, me and meta so meta if you guys don't know she is the one who was responsible for getting me making me aware of this race she's one of my athletes that i coach and we just finished a 5k training block and she texts me and she's like hey there's this crazy ultra marathon and uh I, it's in crested butte colorado and it just kind of made too much sense because i was already going to be up there and i started looking at it and i was like just captured me kind of like i'm talking about so anyways uh meta ended up running the race we ran it together we stayed together the whole way which i'll talk about uh, further on in the podcast but Meta and I we started this race, like, I think we started right before 7 o'clock. So it was, no, no, right before 6 o'clock. So it was still dark out. And that was one of the coolest moments of the race for me. It was just starting out and looking at this, like, long, long line of headlamps behind me on this single track trail. And um, it's just, like, one of those surreal moments where it was just taking those mental pictures you guys ever do that where like you don't have your camera out but you just like you're snapping pictures in your mind it's kind of like one of those deals just all these headlamps just snaking up the mountain just beautiful spectacular moment and uh i was uh i was surprised that i felt as good as i did within the first hour because i'd never i'd run one hour once this year (laughs) leading up to it so i (laughs) And during that one hour run, I hit like a like a low energy phase and like didn't feel very good at like 45 minutes into it. I was with Sarah up here in Crested Butte and I had to like stop and like let her add on and then I like rejoined her to finish. So I was a little nervous. I was like, well, let's see how, at least I wanna be able to get through the first hour like without stopping and feeling halfway decent. And uh, it was crazy how your mindset shifts just when you know you're gonna be out there for a while, you know? Like that hour seemed really, really short, but I think it's because in the back of my mind, I was like, I know I'm gonna be out there for eight hours minimum, probably more like 10 hours. Didn't realize it was gonna actually be 12 hours and like 49 minutes or something like that. (laughs) But I think it's really helpful when you're taking on super long efforts whether it's a long run maybe you're running further than you've ever run before or you're doing your first ultra or you're doing your first marathon is a strategy that i had very early on in the race is just like i am not gonna think about how far i have to go like i'm not even going to entertain any thought that is in relation to like i wonder how far i am or 
or I got to be getting close to this next uh, water station. You know, like it was just like, nope, like I have so far to go that I'm just putting my head down and I'm moving forward. And I refuse to think about like even you know how close I am or even thinking about the finish line. Like I wasn't thinking about the finish line until we got within like a stone's throw of it. Like my mentality was just like one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And that's, that's something that is really helpful for me that I actually learned at Stanford uh, working with Vin Lanana when I was doing track racing is he told me, he's like, I want you to imagine like the finish line is actually 10 meters past the actual finish line. Because we have a tendency, and I certainly had this tendency, to get tight as the finish line would be getting closer. So it's like you're anticipating the finish line. And I don't, I don't fully understand why this is a common phenomenon, but... I certainly experienced it, like I said, where I'd be getting close and because I was anticipating the finish, everything inside me would just get tighter and tighter and tighter. And when he told me like, actually pretend like it's 10 meters further, that just helped me to stay looser and more relaxed all the way up through the, through the finish line. Cause usually it's just like right at the tail end when you start to tighten up. So not anticipating the finish was just a hugely helpful thing for me, especially early on in those that that early, that first hour of the race um so you know the first hour kind of went by and it went a lesson that i was reflecting on out there also during i'd say the first it will throughout the entire day actually is how do you approach really difficult challenging courses so there was sections of this course where I, I don't know, I can't remember the exact grade, but it's something crazy, like 13% grade for like a mile going straight up at 12,000 feet, you know, topping off at 12,300 feet, which is what star passes at the top. And uh, it's really easy to get caught up in the obstacle sometimes of races in the difficult section of the course that's waiting for you thinking specifically about the Boston Marathon, how easy it is to be at mile 13 of the Boston Marathon, and yet my mind is thinking about the hill that's coming at me at 17 and a half miles once I get to that fire station, you know, and the series of hills that's coming um, at me late in the game at Boston and Heartbreak Hill at mile 20. And I remember my coach Terrence Mahan told me when approaching Boston for the first time, he's like, it's actually the space between the notes that makes beautiful music. Like it's how much time artists learn to wait between the notes that makes the difference between like great musicians and, and not great musicians, or at least it's part of it, right? Like I'm not a musician, so I can't like speak directly to that, but that was really impactful for me to think about when I was racing Boston, just being like, all right, like, so I'm gonna put my focus on the time spent between the hills, trying to accelerate over the top of the hills, and I'm just gonna like get up the hill with not with the goal of not taxing myself. So it was a similar mentality out there as we started to climb after we passed that first water station and my legs were already starting to feel like lead. And the first water station I believe was like nine miles into the race and still like nutritionally, uh, hydration was good at that point, but my legs were already just not used to the impact at all of running. And that's also a, kind of another side point. like. If you're going into a race super under train, maybe like you've gotten hurt and all you can do is cross train leading up to this race. Like there's a lot of people that go to the starting line like that, right? So when you go to the start line in that situation, you have to be prepared that my legs 
are going to feel really beat up really early on in this race if i'm running say a half marathon and up something where you're out there for a while and your legs are just hitting the pavement over and over and over again like that is the aspect of training that is very hard to mimic in any other way besides going for a run so if you haven't been able to run a lot and you are cross-training a lot, that is something to be aware of. And what I'm thinking about in particular that can be helpful for you if you find yourself in that situation is wearing the right footwear. You know, for me, I was running a trail race, so I had to wear trail shoes. All I had was these like beat up old Asics trail shoes that I've had for like five years. And I just went with those because I knew they weren't going to give me blisters and problems because my feet were used to those and they were broken in. And that ended up being a good call, but it would have been nice to have a really cushion-based shoe. So if you're heading the start line of a race, not having prepared for the impact of the running, I really encourage you, like, find a shoe to train in leading up to that if you can go for some runs that is really cushion-based and just really going to protect your legs. So that'll be super, super helpful and handling that impact part of it because that's where that's really ultimately what got my legs right like I was I was feeling like my legs weighed a thousand pounds have you guys ever been there where you're in a race and you just feel like your legs are just full of lead and like like you're making the earth shake every time you hit the ground I was like literally pretending like I was like a Nordic skier or something just trying to like lift up my legs as little as possible and still you know not fall on the ground which i did take two spills out there but they were pretty pretty mellow i think i fell in like a meadow one time as like a cushy fall i just wanted to like lay there for like an hour after that um, so so anyways part of uh what was helpful for me in that first half of the race as i reflect back on it was just like just being just so like focused on the beauty of the landscape around me and i realize you might not have the opportunity to do this depending on where the race is or depending on where you're training if you're going for a long run you're trying to apply some of these principles but just being externally focused was super super helpful for me like i said my legs felt like lead after the first hour and you know i had 12 well 11 plus hours to go at that point so anything you can do and we've talked about this before on the podcast that can take your focus off of you is just going to be super, super helpful. So for me, it was like looking at the beautiful landscape, the beautiful mountains around me, just being like captivated by the beauty of God's creation was super helpful in me just taking my focus off of my lead legs. And then another thing that's super helpful for me is like just talking with every single person i encounter on the race course obviously meta and i were together so we were chatting when it was just the two of us but when other people would come up on us and pass us i was like oh man like what's your story where are you from what's your name like what are you training for like i was just like really enjoying the social component of racing and i think that was probably one of the highlights of doing an ultra race that was just so different than you know road racing is you're running it such a low intensity because you're out there for so long that you really can like engage with the people around you and like be conversational and also too like a little trick that we had at stanford when we're running cross country was when you talk to your teammates you talk to people around you in the race even when you're running fast we're running 10ks right and so we're running pretty quick and the intensity level's high but when you start talking to people you you're you remind yourself, okay, I'm not actually hurting that bad. Like this feels super, super hard. But when you start talking, you're like, oh, 
like I'm actually okay, you know. If and the reverse can be true too. If you're not talking and all you're doing is listening to how hard you're breathing, that's really way a really good way to get yourself like into a good frenzy, a good panic attack where you start freaking out. You're like, I'm working so hard, I'm breathing so hard, I feel terrible. You know, like those are that's easily what happens when you're just focused on how hard you're breathing. So it was super helpful for me to just like be as chatty as possible out there and I legitimately just love like chatting with other runners and learning from them and talking to them about their experiences and that that was another just huge highlight for me of the race was just getting to know the people out there and the ultra community is so welcoming so friendly and uh, just I just loved getting to know people out on the trail and it's super helpful in me taking my focus off of my own pain off of my own lead legs and then also, too, uh, another thing that's helpful for me in getting through this lead leg feeling that I think we all feel at some stage in the race. Usually, you'd hope it's not an hour into a 12-hour race, but we all are usually there at some point, um, was just focusing on this thought that I kn- this isn't necessarily going to get worse, right? I think there's sometimes... A fear, at least for myself, when I feel lead leg like that really early on or when I'm running a race and I feel my legs tightening up really early on in a marathon, we're like, oh man, like if it's like this now, imagine how it's going to be, you know, an hour from now or five miles from now or whatever. And for me, just being, I just had to constantly wash myself with this thought of like, this isn't necessarily going to get worse. It can get worse. Like that's the reality, right? Like there's, there's always a little bit of, of truth in our fear, right? Like there can be times where you have something that really starts clamping down on you. And that's maybe the time to step off the course. If it starts getting sharp or it's causing you to limp, that's when you might do more damage and put yourself out for a long, long time. But in this situation, I just had to keep reminding myself like, yes, my legs feel super, super heavy, really lead leg right now, but it's not necessarily going to change. And then whenever I was experiencing that to be true, I was reaffirming that thought. I seen like, see, like here we are like half hour later, here we are at the next water stop. And yeah, my legs feel super heavy, really left legged, but not necessarily a whole lot different than they felt, you know, two hours ago, three hours ago. So we make it up over Star Pass and we stop. We're taking pictures. That's another great thing in ultra marathon is like I just didn't feel like in a rush at all out there, which is such a shift from being so like typically, you know, I'm racing very performance driven, like every second counts, you know, and then in this ultra marathon, you're just like stopping to take pictures, having a good time. And I think kind of the takeaway maybe for you guys with that is just like choose sometimes races that have zero performance goal involved with it like it was so refreshing for me even though i'm so far removed from pro running but to just be in a race where like the goal is just like get to the finish line number one and number two just like enjoy yourself just have a good time like talk to people like just just relish in this moment right i think that's so so helpful that even if our primary goals are performance oriented sometimes we are able to step out of that 
and just have a race that's just about having fun. Like that is so, so helpful in our long-term enjoyment of the sport. So I really encourage you guys, like find a race like that where the goal is just simply fun. And I do this with my athletes when I'm training them as well. Sometimes where I'll prescribe long runs, I'm like, listen, today I don't want you to worry about pace. I don't want you to try and do anything out there. I just want you to just bury yourself in the woods and just have fun. Just enjoy this moment, enjoy this run. So you, you don't have to find a race necessarily to do this, but doing it in training can also be super beneficial. So when we got to the halfway point, was, uh, one thing that I, so when I sat down, sitting down is never a good idea in a race. And I didn't do a whole lot of sitting down out there, but when you get to the halfway point, you get a bag that you can give them. And I put like Pop-Tarts in there. I put like all this blister stuff and um, change of clothes, change of uh, socks. People who brought a change of shoes, that was a really good call. I could have... I would have liked to have had a change of shoes at that point. Just like freshen things up at halfway is super, super helpful. I didn't have another pair of shoes that I had with me, so I didn't have that option. But anyways, that would have been a nice thing to have. So we get to the halfway point and I'm like trying to like force down food. So another kind of takeaway from this race for me was just going back to, you know, we talk a lot about nutrition at Run Free and I've talked about it on this podcast and how I typically fuel for marathons. And this was a good reminder to me of, it's good to have these plans in place, right? So like you wanna have a fueling strategy heading into your race. And I did for this race, I was like, I'm gonna try and get down as many simple carbs as I can. I'm gonna try and like get out in front of my hydration. I'm gonna eat before I get hungry. I'm going to just take in as many fluids as I can. And it was working super well early on from an energy standpoint. Like I was having to stop to pee all the time, but I think that was because, well, number one, I was hydrating really well before the race and then during early on in the race. But then number two, I think like since I'm into weightlifting, I'm taking creatine and just taking in a ton of fluids and not doing a lot of cardio. So like I tend to retain a whole bunch of water and I felt like my body's just like flushing all that stuff out during the early stages of the race until about the halfway point. And then um, that's when I started to notice the effects of dehydration. But going back to the nutrition thing, um, it was a good reminder to me like, okay, so I, I want to take in all these calories, but at the end of the day, like my stomach was just kind of like low level, like just messed up. You guys probably know what I'm talking about where you just don't, you feel like you're forcing stuff down, but even when you are forcing stuff down, you feel like it's just making your stomach more and more upset. So like if that's the case for you, it doesn't matter what the fueling strategy is. That's when you need to call audibles. And I think it's really important that as athletes, we know how to call audibles out there mid-race. When you don't have a coach whispering things in your ear telling you what to do, you kind of just got to know how to adjust things. And so like even though I really wanted to take in a lot of simple calories, a lot of simple carbs, like my stomach just was not having it. And I knew I, like, I just need water. And so water is super helpful if you do have a messed up stomach in a race, guys, like to uh, trigger your digestion system to digest the calories you are putting in it takes water. So, so important that you're well hydrated. And if you aren't, you gotta just take in straight water. So like that's what we do when I was running marathons professionally where our bottles would go from like, 
low concentration of a um, electrolyte beverage and then it'd get more concentrated as the race would go on and then right at 30k of a marathon it start to that would be a concentrated bottle with like a gel mixed into eight ounces of water and then it would get less and less concentrated just because as you get tired as you get fatigued as you get into those later stages of the race it gets harder and harder for your body to digest the calories that you're putting in it and almost like counterproductive at that point it's almost like your body's not going to do anything good with it. It's just going to upset your stomach and you're not going to take in the hydration as well. And that's something I've really noticed too um, when I'm dehydrated. So I started to get dehydrated about halfway into the race. The sun was out. It was nearly 80 degrees. We'd already been out there running for like five hours and we're at 12,000 feet, which that also just super dries you out really quick. So um, I started noticing that dehydration right, right at that stage of the race and knew I was like, I just gotta get in as much water as possible. So I started pouring down the fluids and, and this is where probably my biggest mistake of this ultra marathon came down to my gear choice. And it was one of those things where I kind of knew I was making a mistake going into it. So I'm kind of kicking myself about it. But at the same time, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So like I thought this strategy would work, but in hindsight, I'm like, why did I think that would work? So my my gear that I took out on the run was instead of taking like a pack like everyone else is doing. And then I think this shows like if so, everyone is doing something in a race, there's probably a really good reason why everyone is doing it that way. So like I'm like, well, I knew everyone was going to have hydration packs. I was like, I should have just got a hydration pack. But honestly, it's one of those things. I was like, I'm already in Crested Butte. I don't have one. I'm going to have to go buy one. And uh, it's just going to be a pain. And eh, forget about it. <laughs> and so I, I was like, I couldn't be bothered. Like that was kind of my thought process. But looking back on it now, I was like, well, if you can't be bothered for like to go to the store to buy something or spend a little bit of money on something, then, you know, I just had to be okay up uh, taking in the consequences of that decision to then suffer for the next six, the last six hours of this race. So I was carrying these two handheld bottles, which were 12 ounce bottles. And I thought it should be good, right? I was like, okay, so I'm at, the water stations are like nine miles apart, roughly. So I'm gonna take a good drink at the water station, get all fueled up. And then I shouldn't need water for another like three miles, you know, drink 12 ounces, three miles later, go another three miles, another 12 ounces. And I was like, that's more than I drink in a marathon. I should be fine. The problem is I was moving so slow at that point. And you know, there, there's 9,000 feet of elevation gain in this course. So even when we went to the top of Start Pass and then we're going uh, on the rest of the course, it's still just up and down, just constantly up and down. And so the, the amount of time between these nine mile spread out water stations just got super long between it was like you know i don't even know how long it was and this is actually one thing side note that we did do well is we didn't both meta and i we weren't timing the run um we weren't looking at distance of how far we'd gone i was actually checking my step count throughout the race just like for kicks just for fun and i had no context for like what it actually meant you know um, but that was really nice actually to not know how far we had to go because I think it would have been super, super discouraging for me because like I said, those the, the distance between the water stations wasn't changing, but the amount of time it was taking me to cover that distance was r drastically changing as the race was getting longer and longer. 
So, um, you know, I ended up, like I said, I had those two handheld things and it just wasn't enough water. I would like leave the aid station and then like finish both those bottles within like the first three miles and then just be like dying of thirst for the next six miles, which was going to take like two hours. <laughs> so, um, I ended up like fishing water out of streams. I was, I was asking Meta partway through, I was like, how long does it take for Giardia to set in? I was like, if it sets in after the race, I'm good. I'll, it's worth the trade at this point. So, oh man, I don't know. Have you guys ever had those moments where you're like stranded out in the woods or you're out on a long run and you are just like dying of thirst? And then you get that cold mountain water out of a stream. You just fish it out of there because you don't care if you get sick. Or maybe better yet, you have, you actually were prepared and like have um, filters and stuff like that. But oh, that water was just like the best thing I'd ever tasted in my life. Just went crazy on this mountain water. And then uh, probably my favorite picture from the trip was then after I fished a whole bunch of water out of there, I just like collapsed in this like meadow. And uh, these two uh, guys who were in the race rolled past us and they're like, hey, congrats, you're an ultra runner. And I had no idea because like I said, we weren't, we weren't timing or tracking our distance, but that was the 27 mile mark. And uh, so I have a picture of me like just laying in the meadow, which I'll put on my Instagram to go with this podcast. Uh, but special moment, celebrated briefly with those guys, and then uh, just tried to keep moving forward. But the dehydration for the rest of the day just became like I'd be, I'd get on top of it, find a stream, get to a water station, be feeling better, and then like soon thereafter be out of water. I think my bottles were kind of leaking too. So going back to the gear issue, like I really should have inconvenienced myself, like bought a hydration pack, and then that would have allowed me to, like Alicia Varga was telling me before the race, she messaged, uh, I think Sarah, and was like, hey, he should take poles with him. And I had used poles before in a trail race. I did a Beat the Sun um, relay race around Mount Blanc in uh, France. And the poles were super, super helpful there. And I don't know why I was just not into taking them on this trip. But again, it's like most people had poles out there. And I was so wishing I did have poles. It would have made my walking and going up and down just way, way more comfortable. And I actually could have put some of my upper body strength to use rather than just dragging it along for 12 hours and 45 minutes so um in hindsight should have had that pack should have had those pulls and so the messaging there is just like man listen to people who've done this before don't be like thick-headed like me like don't be uh inconvenience yourself so that you're you actually have a comfortable ride out there like there's a reason why there's tradition behind ultra running and the, the gear that they bring to it but anyways, I, I reaped the consequences of my poor decisions in that category. And what was funny is uh, the next day after the race, my traps were actually super sore. So you know the muscles like that connect your neck and shoulders. Those were actually super sore just from carrying these like little water bottles for 12 hours, 12 and a half hours. Um, so anyways, we Meta and I just uh, kept moving forward and it was so nice. I think another big takeaway from this race for me is like if you can have a running partner with you, like that can be a game changer. Um, it's so helpful. It just made the time pass a lot quicker. You know, Meta and I were chatting about all kinds of different things and just having a good time just experiencing this race together. You know, having a running buddy, a running partner, 
getting you through these ultra marathons because you're going to go it's like a marathon right like you go through good patches you go through bad patches i know i went through like a patch later on in the race where that dehydration thing was just like really hitting me hard and like all the streams were dried up it was like the only thing that was keeping me moving forward at that point was like i know around this next corner there's going to be a little stream and then there never was <laughs> it's actually uh, my little brother chad he's running the mountain bike race and he was up here um because his race was the next day so he's going to do the mountain bike race and he totally like he literally like it felt like he saved my life i was so dehydrated so thirsty i was like about to fish water out of this like like uh, pond which that is pretty much guaranteed giardia <laughs> and i was to that point like i'm gonna die out here if i don't get something to drink and it wasn't really that bad i was you know how you can get when you're out on the trails and get super dramatic or late in races not thinking clearly and i was in that state and then uh, chad pops up on his mountain bike like right at that time and i just like threw my arms up there i was like oh my savior you just saved my life and uh he he grabbed this giant like two gallon thing of water and brought it to me and oh again one of those moments where you know how it is when you are that thirsty and you get some water fresh water like that it was like heaven so good and it's amazing how it can change too like how you feel right so i think that's another thing to to take away from this is just when you're out there and you're running longer events marathons half marathons like sometimes you're just feeling really junky just because you're dehydrated or you, you don't have enough fuel on board and you can dramatically shift how you feel just by getting a little bit of sugar on board just by getting your hydration back on point so um side note there so the only time i thought about not finishing this race was when we got to the last water station it's already getting late in the day um, meta was super nice to like wait for me as i was just walking like mock slow super slow and uh and we would jog you know we try and jog the flat sections but then whenever we got on a hill or steep downhills even they were technical we just walk it and so we were not moving forward quickly and like i said meadows being super kind to wait for me at that stage but then we got to the last water station we were sure it was five miles to go and for some reason it was seven miles to go and they told us that when we got there and it's one of those deflating moments where you're just like there's only two more miles right and we're already like super late like 35 miles into the race or 36 miles into the race so it didn't really make sense that, that it was that deflating but it so was i was like and my little brother was there and he has a van that has a bed in it i was like i could literally be laying in bed in like 60 seconds if i want to be <laughs> and so you know I, I entertained those thoughts probably for like a minute i was like don't be an idiot like you've come so far and endured so much and it'd all be for not if you just hop in a van right now and so you know also another thing that was super helpful was getting the hydration on point but then from a nutrition aspect like i said i wasn't able to take in many calories at all during the back half of the race until i got to that stage and actually what sat really really well in my stomach like wasn't salty foods it wasn't um anything packaged it ended up being mandarins they had mandarins at the aid station i would have never guessed it when i saw that they had those at the aid stations before the race i was like why would you have mandarins out there it's like there's not that many calories in it you gotta like uh unpeel it and it's just it doesn't seem like a very like energy dense food right 
But man, that Mandarin was like godsend to me. Like I felt so much better after eating that and it went down. You, you know you found the right thing when it hits your stomach and your stomach just, you can just feel it absorb it and it's just like, thank you. You know, you can feel your body talking to you about it. And so I wish I would have known about that earlier. And so maybe the rule of thumb there is not that mandarins are necessarily gonna work for everyone out there, but just to be open to trying different foods. And even like, you know, I was asking a lot of people for advice on Instagram uh, leading up to the race and what foods work for them. And, you know, most of that stuff was like salty foods, packaged foods, ramen, stuff like that, which totally makes sense. But for me in that moment, what worked was Mandarin. So um, just being open to trying alternate fueling things in ultras and in marathons as well, I think is kind of the big takeaway there. And that just that coupled with the water just made that last seven miles feel so much better better than I had been feeling. I definitely, that was one of the only times in the race where I'm actually like, oh, I actually feel pretty good. And we did a lot more running than we had been over that last seven miles. And, uh, you know, getting to that finish line, it was a weird experience, actually. Like, I wasn't expecting this at all. I knew I'd be super happy to get to the finish line, which I was. But because of this mentality that I was telling you guys of like not thinking about how far I had to go and really not thinking about the finish line till like I could see it essentially like I couldn't shut that mentality off after I got to the finish line so I like like sat down afterwards like did a quick little interview and then like but I still felt like I wasn't finished like I still had further to go it's like my mind hadn't like accepted that it was act the challenge was actually over because it was like built up as such a big, long, epic challenge, which it was in my mind, but I like couldn't turn that mechanism off. So even when I went to bed after the race, like I didn't feel like eating afterwards. I forced myself to eat some food, eat some protein. And uh, cause I was really protein light that day, especially considering my normal diet. So I did like take down some protein shakes, didn't feel like it just forced it down. And then hopped in bed at like 8 p.m. Cause we finished it, it was like 6.30 at night. So it was like already almost bedtime by the time I got back and hopped in bed and I was like, this is gonna feel so glorious. I was just like dreaming, daydreaming of bed for so long and how good it's gonna feel. And then I hopped in bed and then that mentality was like keeping me awake. Like keep pushing, keep pushing, you're not there. Like keep going. It was so weird, I could not turn it off. And then that coupled with like then my legs and my muscles when I was finally off of them, like they just started like throbbing, like pulsating. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that after a hard workout or race, but where your legs just like are just pulsing and just, they just feel totally whacked. So that was, uh, that was my story and uh, quite, quite an experience. I'm so glad I did it. It's way too soon to talk about whether I'll do another one or not. I do know this about myself though. I love adventures. I love the mountains. So I'm sure I'll find myself in an equally crazy situation at some point, but we will see how it goes. And then from, you know, talking about just really quickly, I know this has been kind of a long one, but just talking about recovery, like how do you recover from big efforts like that? Because, um, you know, my recovery actually was really, really good. Uh, two days later, I was doing a, a hike with my kids and family. My brother and sister were up here in Crested Butte, and we went for like a two-mile, like 2,000 feet of elevation gain up hike and two-mile you know, descent back down, and my legs were fine. So here is what 
is like the gold when it comes to recovery that I've found to work for me. Um, sleep, so trying to sleep as much as I could. So even though I couldn't sleep that well, after the race like sleeping really hard the next night and and a supplement that's been helpful for me that i've been taking a lot recently is cbd i'm taking really high dosage of cbd um so like i have riverbend cbd i'll do i have a 1500 milligram um uh bottle and i'll do four dropper fulls before i go to bed so i think i'm getting in about 100 milligrams right before i go to bed of cbd and that's been super helpful and just give me really deep high quality sleep so um, I'll do that and then uh, then blood flow so huge so the next day you know I was out walking around my, like I said my little brother's doing the mountain bike race and he crushed it finished second and looked really good despite flattening out and not having the right bike for the train um, but I was out you know cheering for him and trying to hobble next to him like handing him bottles and stuff and um, so just being out the worst thing you can do when it comes to recovery is what I did after the 07 trials where I hopped on an airplane and flew to Israel and man my legs they felt fine right after that but then when I tried to resume normal training two weeks after, my legs have never been such a mess. Like extremely, like I thought I was never gonna run again kind of mess. So if you really wanna shoot yourself in the foot, like hop on an international flight right after your marathon. Now, some people have to do that, right? Like if you're not from the country, you have to do that. What I encourage you is like go for a walk the morning after your race, then hop on that flight and then go for a walk when you get in. Like just don't, completely go cold turkey on the blood flow like as much blood flow as you can get whether that's riding a spin bike for 15 20 minutes doesn't have to be long going and walking around anything you can do to get blood flow through there is gonna be super super helpful um and then nutrition um like i was saying like i was hitting the protein really hard after the race trying to catch up on that i knew my muscles were just in shock and just taking a supreme beat down and uh, so keeping that protein coming regularly throughout the day, every three hours, I was taking 50 grams of protein, which is normal for me in my lifting. And I wouldn't suggest doing that for you guys. That's pretty extreme, which I am. So, um, but taking in 20 grams of protein every three hours post workout or post race post marathon post ultra for the next day or two i think is super super helpful and then trying to get your hydration back on point so i was just pouring down fluids electrolytes um salt the next couple days and it was crazy and also too doing weights that was another thing i did to get some blood flow going so i wasn't doing leg weights obviously but the next day i was in the gym doing some chest and back and it was crazy like i walked into the gym kind of hobbling you know like my t-bands were really tight uh, my quads were shot just super sore and then i walked out of there actually feeling pretty normal and pretty good and that was just from doing upper body weights so like i said blood flow is is key um, so anything you can do to promote that is going to be super, super helpful. So that was my story, guys. It was a, it was a crazy long day. I'm, I'm like most proud of myself just for being able to stand on my feet for 12 hours and 40 something minutes. Like if you told me today, like, all right, I just want you to stand up for 12 hours. I don't think I could do it. So, um, it's crazy what you can do in a race environment like if i had to go run 43 miles right now through these mountains 
I don't know if I could do it. I don't want to do it. I don't even want to think about trying to do it. But um, when you're in a race situation, like it brings out the best in you. And that's really the beauty of racing. And I think something to kind of put in your back pocket during this time, because I know a lot of you guys are doing time trials, doing virtual races, is you can't really compare those performances to race performances. There's just something about racing, in-person racing, that brings out like a next level thing inside of all of us that can only be replicated in that situation so don't be hard on yourself if you guys have been doing those time trials virtual races and haven't been running times that you're accustomed to haven't been setting prs like your day's coming when you get back out into those races and those times will come again so i hope that's been helpful like i said thank you for joining me on the run free podcast we're gonna keep this thing going and uh I hope that it continues to be helpful for you guys on your journey. Until next time, guys, happy training.